Welcome to Main Thing Radio with Robert Fountain, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Miami Beach, in Miami Beach, Florida. Join us as Robert teaches through God's Word. to and played he won't do that he won't do that he's a faithful witness at one point he said to his disciples I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I go you can can be with me also but he said this to them he said you know if it were not so my father didn't if he wasn't eager for you to be with I would have told you you can believe that because he's a faithful witness. Our God is a good, loving Father. He does not go back on his promises, and his son Jesus shares the same attribute. As Pastor Robert explains in today's message, God takes no joy in watching mankind suffer under the consequences of sin. He longs to see us experience the wholeness that can only be found in him. Stick around after today's message from Pastor Robert. I have quite a bit of information that I'd like to share with you. Our web address, podcast subscription information, and our contact information. Now here's Pastor Robert with today's message. I make really foolish choices. I need him to be Lord in my life. I'm on my knees before him. You see what I mean? Ruler of the kings of the earth. Faithful witness. John 8, 25 tells us, then they said to him, who are you? I love that. He didn't fit any of their boxes. You know what I mean? Who are you? Then Jesus said to them, just what I've been saying to you from the beginning. I have many things to say and to judge concerning you. But he who sent me is true. And I speak to the world those things which I heard from him. A witness, a faithful witness, Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. You know, I'll be honest with you. When I, I, you know, I read that and just thinking about, you know, what we were going to talk about today, that statement just kind of leaped out at me. I mean, what a statement. That's not the way I think of Jesus. King of kings, Lord of lords, ruler of the kings of the earth. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. My Savior who suffered and died on a cross so that I could know God. Absolutely. Faithful witness. That's not the first phrase that jumps to my mind. And yet, there it is. Faithful witness. What does it mean? Well, let me tell you one of the things that that it means. We can trust what he says about life, and we can trust what he says about God. He won't lie to us. I love that. I don't know about you, but... I've been jerked around a lot in my life. I've been lied to and played. He won't do that. He won't do that. He's a faithful witness. 
At one point, he said to his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you so that where I go, you can, can be with me also. But he said this to them. He said, you know, if it were not so, my father didn't, if he wasn't eager for you to be with, I would have told you. You can believe that because he's a faithful witness. A lot of times we think of God the Father as being full of holy wrath and just angry with the world. And Jesus, Jesus is the merciful, gentle, loving one. And sometimes we even take it one step further and, and we say, you know, Mary, the mother Mary. And this, it, you know, I, I understand it. You know, some of the tradition, you know, the Catholic tradition and, and, and everything. I had a guy try to explain it to me one time. You know, he, he's like, you know, if I want to talk to you about something and I know you're super busy and, and, and so forth, he's like, I, you know, I might, I might not go to you. I might go to someone close to you. Well, it's kind of like that. The problem with that is the Bible says it's foolish and wrong. The Bible says there's one mediator between God and man, the man, Jesus Christ, that we need to go directly to him. But it also tells us that God the Father so loves the world that he sent Jesus. And Jesus says to us, I'm only telling you what he told me to tell you. He's representing the heart of the Father. So there's a problem when we think of God the Father as being full of wrath and angry, and we think of Jesus as being merciful. When Jesus says, no, 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 you don't understand. The Father loves you. Therefore, he has sent me to you. It's his mercy witnessed to by Jesus, and he's a faithful witness. So John points us in this opening, he points us to God the Father, God the Son, and, and then finally, he also points us to God the Spirit. I kind of skipped over that, but I'm coming back to it. Grace to you and peace from him who is, who was, who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before his throne. Now, some Bible scholars have suggested that this is a reference to seven angels. As, as I was studying this, um, one of the guys that I, that I like, I, I res, you know, respect his teaching, you know, that's what he believes, that this is a reference to you know, seven angelic you know, ministering spirits. The Bible says angels are, are ministering spirits, these seven angels that, that are you know, there around the, the throne of God. But to, I, I agree with Dr. J. Vernon McGee that that understanding would be out of context with, with what he's talking about. Like I said a minute ago, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, not Father, Son, and angels, right? That's not the Trinity. Everybody with me? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It just makes, makes sense. That's the context. And, and, but there's only one Holy Spirit. So what's this deal about seven? I believe it's a reference to the fullness and completeness of God. Let me just read you Dr. McGee's statement. He says, before we go further, let me call your attention to the number seven. In this verse, there is the mention of seven churches and seven spirits. The number seven has a religious meaning in the word of God, which was apparent to the people in John's day, but is totally foreign to us in our day. The gambling sector of our society is very conscious of numbers, as are folk who are superstitious but we are not accustomed to attaching any religious significance to numbers. However, 
in the word of God, the number seven is prominent. It does not denote perfection. I would add to that, not in the sense in which we normally think of perfection, flawlessness. Does not denote perfection, but it does denote completeness. Sometimes completeness is perfection, but not always. Seven speaks of that which is complete and that which is representative. In a particular way, seven has to do with God's covenant and dealings with Israel. For instance, the Sabbath, circumcision, and worship are all hinged around the seventh day. As you go through the word of God, you notice that Jericho was compassed about seven times. Naaman was instructed to dip in the Jordan River seven times. There were seven years of plenty and seven years of famine in Joseph's time in Egypt. Nebuchadnezzar was insane for seven years. There are seven beatitudes in the New Testament. There are seven petitions in the Lord's Prayer. There are seven parables in Matthew, seven loaves feed the multitude. Jesus spoke seven times from the cross. And in the book of Revelation, the number seven cannot be ignored or considered accidental. Seven is the key number of this book. And then he goes on, the seven spirits refer to the Holy Spirit and probably have reference to the seven branches of the lampstand, as we shall see later on. Now, we'll be looking at this again from time to time, probably, as we go through the book, but I draw you back, verse 5, chapter 1, to him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Now, this is all written in the past tense. So is that saying that Jesus stopped loving us? He loved us and it's over? No, that's not what it's saying. Of course not. It's a reference to the finished work upon the cross, right? He demonstrated his love. Romans 5, 6. For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die. Yet, perhaps for a good man someone would even dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love toward us. Again, I want you to notice who demonstrates his love? Jesus. It's not what it says. And we understand that the Father and the Son are, are one. But the emphasis here, God demonstrates his own love toward us. The book of Revelation is filled with pictures and metaphors and can be utterly confusing at times. We are so glad Pastor Robert has jumped into this book with us, untangling the mysteries and sharing the truth that Jesus is going to return one day. Pastor Robert and all of us here at Main Thing Radio would like to urge you to take the message of the gospel out into the world. The only way to avoid the judgment we're learning about in Revelation is to know and follow Jesus and allow Him to rescue us from it. Everyone needs to hear this message and we're the ones who can tell them. We're so glad you joined us today on Main Thing Radio. If you'd like to hear this teaching again, we'd encourage you to visit our website, mainthingradio.com. There you can also subscribe to our podcast, and here's Tracy to tell you more. Life these days moves fast. From one appointment to the next, most of us race through our days with blinding speed. Those in-between moments are great opportunities to connect with God. 
Subscribe to the Main Thing Radio podcast to enjoy messages like you heard today, anytime, anywhere. Simply log on to MainThingRadio.com and click on the podcast button. Thanks, Tracy. And thank you for listening today to Main Thing Radio.